0: Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast. Um, This is episode 70, and I'm so excited that I have an awesome guest today. It's Dr. Sunana Sohi. And she is going to chat with us today about a very controversial topic, and it's gonna be super fun. Um, But before we start, um, will you please introduce yourself more, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, um, how amazing you are, all the things.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here today and to participate in your podcast. So my name is Dr. Samana Sohi, as you said, I am a gastroenterologist, which makes me a gut health specialist. And gut health is so um, exciting right now. It's a really hot topic in medicine. Um, So I did my undergraduate training at Harvard University, and then I did my medical school at Tufts followed by my residency at University of Chicago and my um, fellowship at Rush University in Chicago. And now I'm practicing back in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. I have two small kids, and I am plant-based for my health and vegan for the animals and the environment. And I've been raising my family plant-based as well. Um, And, you know, I've just done a lot of reading and educating myself on the importance of a plant forward or plant based diet and just how important it is to get a lot of plants in our in our bodies not only for our digestive tract but the rest of our bodies and so I'm so excited to be here today and get to talk about that and whatever you have in mind.
0: Yeah, um that's so true. It's so interesting that you say that because I'm like pretty I'm pretty big been on gut health like especially recently because I actually I'm just turned 44 but I um am Already postmenopausal, I went to, through menopause very early. Um, not really sure why, but um, I actually also had a lot of fertility problems having children, so you know probably related to that. But my body really changed um, in when I hit menopause, and I realized I cannot process gluten anymore. So that I had a lot of anxiety going through menopause, like major anxiety attacks. Had to be on a short stint of meds to control it for a while, and then. What's so interesting is when I took gluten out of my diet, um, my anxiety lessened a ton. And I also got rid of all of my allergies, my seasonal allergies. And it's, and I also like, wasn't bloated and didn't have stomach pain and all this stuff. And I feel like gut health connects to so many things in your, in your body. So many.
1: Oh my gosh. It completely does. So the new and exciting thing in uh, gastroenterology is that there's been a lot of discussion about the gut microbiome. So we've always known that we have bacterial cells in our intestine. Um, And we have more bacterial viral fungal cells in our colons than we do human cells in our body. We have trillions of those cells. And they've lived in a lovely symbiotic relationship for us, with us. I mean, we've always known that they make nutrients for our colon cells, uh, substrates called short chain fatty acids. They make B vitamins for us. I mean, we've always known how good they were for us. They make neurotransmitters. You know, we're just learning more and more now about what a pivotal role they play, not only in our digestive tract, but the rest of our body. So when we think about gut health, uh, oftentimes we're talking about the health of the gut microbiome and a healthy gut microbiome is a diverse one, meaning you have lots of different types of bacteria in there. When when people um, have a less diverse microbiome, they can develop what we call dysbiosis, which is sort of an unhealthy gut microbiome. And dysbiosis is associated with things like depression and anxiety, um, problems with the immune function, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, even cancers. Certainly, it can play a role in hormonal uh, changes and the um, the endocrine system. So it certainly can play a role in menopause, too. But we're just getting we're just scratching the surface of what we know about the role of the gut microbiome in the rest of the body. So this knowledge is going to explode over the coming years and it's really really exciting.
0: It is exciting and I actually um it's funny cuz um back when I was I went to UC Davis for my undergraduate degree and I was actually diagnosed with IBS when I was in my early 20s and um I was like okay well um, I, cause I always had digestive issues. Um, and then when we, when we started, when we changed our diet to become, you know, mostly plant-based, it all went away. And it's was so, I think that was like my first realization that like, okay, my body, you know, does not process certain things, um, especially dairy and then now gluten. Um, but it's, it's crazy. It's just, it's amazing how connected it is. Cause even now, like I, have had a few instances where I've gone out and as careful as you are when it comes to gluten, I mean, it happens and I can tell the minute that I accidentally have gluten like within a couple of hours. And then the next day, my, I'm very, um, and I, you can kind of tell I'm actually nasally right now. Cause I did have a gluten experience this last weekend. Um, I swell up my anxiety peaks. Like it's just crazy how connected everything is. I'm so excited for the future and all this.
1: Yes. Absolutely. And there's definitely a subset of people with irritable bowel syndrome, who do not, you know, meet the criteria to actually have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease, um, yes, triggered by exposure to gluten, but they're gluten sensitive, you know, gluten is a really heavy protein, it can be hard to digest. And so it's not unusual that people will be gluten sensitive with their IBS and do better with gluten restriction. And it just sounds like it's made a big difference for you.
0: It has. And I'll be honest, I, I, I am not, I won't be tested. I don't want to be tested for celiac because you have to gluten load in order to be tested. And I I can't go through it. I'm so like, it's so terrible for me that I'm just acting as if I am because I, you have to gluten load for weeks in order to have a celiac test. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not
1: doing that. (laughs) It, it's true. And you know, I do have patients that come to me and they've been gluten free for 10, 15, 20 years. And they say, I I don't want to go back on gluten in order to have the labs or the upper endoscopy with the biopsy. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll talk about genetic testing. Genetic testing for celiac disease really is only useful if it's negative. So it can be helpful to rule it out, but it doesn't rule it in if it's positive. But that test Um, can be helpful for people who don't want to go back on gluten in order to have firm diagnostic testing, just because if it's negative, it's almost impossible for someone to have celiac disease. So that allows you to know, okay, I'm gluten sensitive. So if I cheat, or if I have an inadvertent exposure, I may feel miserable, and I may feel terrible, but I'm not causing structural or physical damage to my body. And so people can approach things slightly differently. Yeah. Um, so that's all that's always one way to look at it.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. But I just like, yeah, it's crazy. My entire esophagus from like my nasal cavity all the way, it feels like I have acid reflux. Like it all just I can feel the inflammation. It's crazy how much food affects our bodies. Like, I don't know. I it's it's mind blowing to me. And it's all just, you know, recent, it's just more and more.
1: Oh. I mean, it absolutely does. The importance of a healthy diet can't be overstated. And it's something that it's funny. We don't get a lot of training on nutrition in medical school, which even as a gastroenterologist who focuses on the digestive tract, a lot of our nutrition training is focused more on figuring out how to give people nutritional supplements if they need feeding through tubes or IVs. But not, hey, what is nutrition for a healthy body? And so, um, you know, I've taken it, you know, on myself to educate myself about this because we just we get a couple weeks of training in medical school on nutrition, and that's it. And uh, good nutrition plays a huge role in preventing a lot of diseases, so it's really, really important. But a lot of people don't even know where to start. And um, as as someone who's plant based. Um, I definitely talk to people about just not everybody has to be a hundred percent plant-based or vegan, right. But right. being plant forward, which is a new term, which I love just making sure that predominantly what you eat is plants can just be so beneficial for your gut bacterial balance. Yep. There was a study. Yeah. There was a study a few years ago, um, looking at gut bacterial diversity in different people. And as we said, a more diverse microbiome is a healthier one. And they compared people who ate 10 or fewer different types of plant fibers a week with people who ate 30 or more different types of plant fibers a week. And what they found is that the people who had the more diverse plant fiber intake had a healthier gut microbiome. So really it's not even about the volume of plant intake, but it's about the diversity and diversity. Yes. And 30 seems like a lot, right? Like, whoa, 30 different types. But if you think about your herbs and your spices and, yes. you know, you can include grains and legumes, it's actually not as hard as you would think to get that variety. And that's what your gut wants. And when your gut is happy, it reflects on your whole body.
0: Well, I actually had a, um, I have another podcast episode that is coming out tomorrow I think it is or maybe next week um with the owner of the brand cool beans which is um you should check them out they are uh plant-based wraps in the frozen aisle that and we talked about food diversity and it's based they're based on the concept of food diversity and um all of their wraps uh if you have like their wraps they encompass the 30 different all together like they have three or four different flavors they all together encompass the 30 different um plant foods. And it was Oh, I
1: love that. That's awesome.
0: It's an excellent episode. Um, you should listen to it when it comes out. He's very knowledgeable in food diversity. And it, the whole episode's all about food diversity, which is so important. Um, and it brings us kind of like to our topic today when we we're going to talk a lot about proteins and how, you know, people tend to think that when you're like, we, I believe in diversity in general, like, I don't cut out Um, carbs, I don't cut out fat, I don't, you know, I don't believe those things are the devil. And unfortunately, in the online world, especially in my online world, um, there's so many different types of quote, unquote, diets out there. And they're basically selling you, you know, a quick fix to whatever health goal you have. And one of the things is the obsession to protein that I've noticed a lot. And most people when you say, you know, oh, no, I'm, I'm mostly plant based, like, oh, well, how are you eating protein? And uh, speaking of food diversity, (laughs) I mean, speaking of food diversity, there are so many different ways to eat protein and it's not just meat. Um, There's so many different ways. Um, But for people like, let's take, I want to take a step back for a second. For people that don't really understand the, you know, macronutrients, we have carbohydrates, we have fats, we have proteins. What is it that the protein does for our body and why, Is it important to make sure you're getting some protein?
1: It's a great question. And I just, I have to say, I love what you just said, because when I talk about a plant based eating, I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm not talking about a diet or, you know, a treatment for weight loss. However, there are lots of studies to support that people who are whole foods, plant based have really healthy body mass indexes and lose weight just because there's so much fiber in what we eat in plants that it's actually really hard to overeat if you're eating a whole foods, plant-based diet. So it is, you know, it is very well aligned with a healthful body, but it's not about weight loss. Like this is something that's completely sustainable over life to eat this way. And you're absolutely right. In fact, going whole foods, plant-based, I have so much more diversity in my diet than I did when I ate the same old like cheese and bread and pizza, right. rice And pasta and carb that, you know, now I have so much more diversity. So I absolutely agree with you. I think that's such an important point protein. And you're right. There's such a fixation on protein in our society. Currently protein is good. I mean, you know, it's important for, we all think about protein for our muscles, right? It's important for the growth and the turnover of the cells. And we think about that as we work out. And I know you and I talked right before we started that we both worked out before we did this, you know, it's good for muscle building, right? Growth and turnover of cells. It makes up protein, makes up enzymes that aid in digestion. It makes up hormones. It makes up keratin collagen, which provide elasticity for the body and the hair. Um, There are immune proteins in the, you know, so they participate in the immune system. Proteins can even provide energy during a fasted state. So proteins are definitely important. Um, They play a great role in our body and we do need them. Um, Proteins are made up of building blocks called amino acids and there are 20 of them. We can make 11 of those ourselves. So nine of those are what we call essential amino acids or ones that we can't make and we need to get from external sources or from foods. And that's where the confusion lies because there's a misconception that you need to eat meat in order to have a complete protein source for your nutrition, meaning meat has all nine essential amino acids. So if you eat meat, therefore you'll have all the amino acids you need. And that plants are incomplete sources of amino acids or incomplete sources of proteins. And that was, you know, a misunderstanding and a misconception for a long time, but we know now that that is not true at all all plants have complete sources of protein just in varying amounts. So all plants have all nine essential amino acids, just some have more of one amino acid than another. And that's where a diversity in a plant-based diet comes in really handy. Because if you're eating a diverse diet, you're getting all the amino acids you need.
0: Easy. That is an excellent, excellent point because you're right. Cause we're, I mean, I remember when It was like, if you eat rice and beans, you're eating everything you need. And it's like, and then, you know, people, and that's science. And here's the thing that frustrates me. I'm a science girl. My dad's a scientist. He's, um, my dad's actually an immunologist. Um, I grew up, he was a professor at San Diego State in the PhD department, had a lab, did research, the whole gamut. um,
1: Very cool.
0: Yeah. And I am a science, I have a science, I was a biology and psychology uh, major in, in college. And I love science. Science like fascinates me. Um, And that's the thing about science is I think that people that don't understand it is that science is, is, is learning. And we think, you know, one thing, and then we keep learning and we realize, oh, that was incorrect. And that's real science. That's life where people, you know, we, they think, especially, you know, with things that have been happening the last year and a half, they think, oh, well, you know, they said this, and now they're saying this, and they're all just lying. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 (laughs) science is actually, you know, you learn more as you go and, and science, new things are uncovered that might show you something different. And like you just stated with the, with the protein and the amino acids is we didn't know. And then we've recently, you know, as things get, we find out that actually plants do have all the amino acids and you learn that's it's called life, right?
1: (laughs) It's absolutely true. And that, that we just normally see it on a slower pace than we've seen it in this past year with the pandemic. But yes. yeah, people have gotten the taste of, of and it, rather than looking at it negatively, as many people have, it's actually amazing and brilliant to me how amazing. quickly, quickly we were able to learn and change how we treated, you know, people, how we, how we approached it, what we knew about masking, not masking, everything has been evolving. And it's just amazing to see how quickly we can learn and evolve. And yeah, so I mean, taking it back to knowing about proteins and plant-based proteins, you're absolutely right. There used to be a time where people would think, well, you know, peanut butter has this amount of, or this, this type of amino acid and wheat bread has this type. So a peanut butter and jelly sandwiched together is a complete protein and like rice and beans, like you were saying, or beans and corn. But it turns out that really you don't even need to match your food. People used to think they had to match their, match their, um, plants in order to make sure they were getting complete protein. But we, what we know now is if you just eat well and you eat a diversity of plant-based fibers, you're getting everything you need. And that's not just for like the average adult who works out recreationally, but even for some of these amazing, huge muscly athletes that you see that are completely plant-based, it can definitely be done without yeah animal products for sure.
0: Right. And is not like as far as protein goes and our body needing it, um, it also goes back to what it is that we do and our goals. Like an average person does not need the same amount of pr- protein than someone who wants to be a bodybuilder. And that's I 100%. think the confusion is that I mean it, it really just depends on we're all individuals. So so let's I mean isn't there, yeah. is there a rule of thumb of some sort of like how much protein you need yeah. depending on your size?
1: There's definitely a rule of thumb. So, um, you know, the, the weight-based recommendation for most people is about 0.6 to 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So let's say we take 140 pound person, that would be about 50 grams of protein a day. That's it. That's not very much, right? If you think about, um, like, uh, I had, you know, a bowl of oatmeal with some chia seeds and hemp seeds and flax seeds in it and some plant-based milk for breakfast, right? Like that would be about 20 grams of protein right there. So it's already almost half and I'm not 140 pounds, right? So that's already almost half of what I need. So it's actually uh, like a palm full of meat itself probably has about 40 or 50 grams of protein, right? Right. So you think about how much, Uh, protein people are taking in, we're kind of over obsessed with protein. And one, the body, you know, can't absorb more than 20 to 30 grams of protein at one sitting. So when people are doing their keto diet, and they're eating tons and tons of protein, a lot of that is not getting absorbed as protein. Too much protein can also be bad for your kidneys. people can get kidney stones, people can develop, you know, kidney failure. So you just really want to be mindful about what you're eating. And I don't want to, You know, poo poo protein either because, as we said, it's very good for you. But, like you said about not counting macros and just eating a generally well balanced, nutritious diet, your body is going to get what it needs.
0: So, that's interesting. You can't absorb more than how many grams of protein at once?
1: So, it's like 20 to 30 is the leading thought. And I mean, if you think about it, we have receptors in our small intestine that allow us to absorb certain things, right? And so, when those things get saturated, Uh, then you can't absorb more, right? And let me, I mean, so, yeah. So then you end up maybe not absorbing that much at a time.
0: Right. That makes sense. I mean, that makes perfect sense because, yeah, because, I mean, your receptors, like, you can only, it's kind of like trying to, it's like when you're pouring, you know, something into a cup, like, if it's like, um, I'm thinking like a, a, a strainer, when you're trying to strain something, you have to wait for it to get through and to have more room. And so when you're, when you're overdoing it in your body, I can, that makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we definitely don't need that much. We can't take that much all in, in one setting. So it's, it's really good to be aware of. And just, again, I mean, the thing that I always like to tell people is diversity, eat mostly plants, you know, and eat a diversity of plants. I mean, most of the time when you think about it, a standard American diet or a sad diet, you know, it's it's predominantly, you know, brown food on a plate, right? It's like a yeah. lot of meat uh-huh. and bread and then maybe a little corner for some salad. And what we want is to kind of move the dial a little bit so that the predominant part of the plate, like three-fourths of the plate, is green and colorful, rainbow colored, and then the whatever other protein source, if you're gonna eat animals, is a smaller amount. Yes. But that the majority of what you're taking in for your body is plants.
0: And I actually, I had a pediatrician on um, once that in one of my groups, actually, I was running, she came in to do like a guest talk and she brought up, I think the number was, I could be wrong, but she said something like 96% of people in our country do not have a protein problem, but 96% of people have a fiber issue.
1: I love that.
0: And I was like, wow, that is, that really, really kind of makes you think.
1: Yes. Most people do not get in even the recommended amount of fiber per day, which is really actually quite small. It's 20 to 30 grams of fiber per day. I usually recommend people get 50 or more grams of fiber. I have a physician friend who recommends 60 to 100 grams of fiber per day. I mean, fiber is really, really good for you. It's so
0: important. Well, yes. it's so important. It helps keep you full. It helps slow down. You know, like I tell my kids, I actually, we talk a lot. I'm, I'm a total science dork and I tell my kids like what they want to have. We talk about like chocolate, for instance, I say, well, chocolate's a sugar and your body, you know, when you only eat sugar and you don't pair it with something to help, you know, um, regulate that, you know, the absorption of the sugar in your body, like you, you have that spike and that's kind of when you overdo it, when your stomach hurts, that's kind of what's happening in there. And we talk about, Absolutely.
1: you know, pairing sugar index is important. Yes. Yeah. You do get an insulin spike and you're far better if you're going to eat a piece of bread. Yeah, Well, I, I know you don't eat bread, but if, if you're going to yeah. eat a carb, pairing it with a, a fiber or a protein rather yes. than just like an example would be, you want almond butter or peanut butter on your toast, not jelly. Right.
0: Right. And that's, yes. And that's what I tell them. I said, you know, like a fat, a fiber, a protein, like all those help, like, You know, and so they, that's, they, they, you know, talk about it and I, it's about educating, even though they're, you know, my youngest is only six. Like he's still, I still talk about it, like the science behind it, not just, no, you can't have a piece of candy right now because you're going to bed and your body is not going to process that very well versus like, you know, you want a little something sweet before bed. All right, let's have a little piece of chocolate. Let's pair it with some almonds or whatever. And explaining to them, you know, the why behind things. I think it's so important.
1: Absolutely. and The importance of fiber really can't be overstated. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, that study looking at the gut microbiome and having 30 different types of plant fibers, I mean, your, your gut microbiota want plants. They want fiber, lots of fiber. Yes. And it's associated with colonic health as, as well as just the health of the whole body.
0: So when, you, when we're talking about, you said this earlier about uh, meat versus plant protein, the, the difference, am I right with it? You said the difference is that like, so meat has all those nine and plants do too, but in varying amounts. So you can still get everything you need. You just eat a v- variety of plant foods versus just like one piece of meat. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. And you don't even have to eat a variety of plant foods in one sitting. It's just basically yes. there's no difference. We're, yeah, or in your lifetime, you know? yeah. We are looking at the nine essential amino acids and basically every food source plant or meat has them that's really what people need to take away from it all plant sources have all nine essential amino acids so in terms of a protein source um, it's the same and then there are certain things like for example broccoli has more protein per calorie than steak believe it or not but meat is so calorie dense that you know you end up getting in a larger amount of protein, but you also get a larger amount of saturated fat and all the inflammatory stuff and everything else that would come with the red meat. So, right. um, it's just important to take, keep in mind when people are thinking about meat being a higher yield source of protein, it's also a higher yield source of a lot of other stuff that you don't right. want in your body.
0: Well, and that's like my husband who, um, cannot have meat because of the way his body processes it. Um, people, you know, talk about like, for example, it's like when you're eating meat, you are eating an animal and an animal was a living thing. So it has cholesterol. It has hormones. So that's it's, that doesn't like mean, cause some people I think get confused that it's been, Oh, it's been, Oh, my meat has not been pumped with hormones. It's like, well, fine. But it, it still naturally has those things in it because it was a living creature. So that's like people that, you know, eat meat that shouldn't like my husband, there's no other there's there's no way around it. You can't like have the meat without the stuff that comes with it like you just said. Like no. it is what it is. Yeah.
1: It it all comes with it absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um so as far as plants go, I mean, you just said it the key is diversity and I keep hearing this over and over and what's interesting is I've learned I've heard this term food diversity um ever since I had this other, you know, um uh, the cool beans on to talk about food diversity, it's just been popping up everywhere and It's so interesting because I feel like food diversity has just been answering so many questions, you know, because, you know, like you said, experts are saying 30 different types of food within a week, um, for the optimal microbiome. Like that's kind of what you're looking, what your goal is, um, is that, so basically with plants, when we talk about, oh, I need to get my protein in for the day, is there a certain plants that have more protein than others, or it's just basically focusing on that diversity again?
1: Oh, no, there are certainly some plants that have more protein, you know, more bang for your buck, so to speak. I mean, the plant-based sources of protein that are super high in protein are seitan, which is a gluten product. So I know you would not have it yourself. Yes. Soy and edamame, lentils, beans, nuts, um, you know, all, all the legumes, quinoa. But as I said, even veggies like broccoli have a good amount of protein per calorie, But those are, you know, those are the, I have a cute little chart that I have on my Instagram page with the most high yield um, protein sources, plant-based protein sources. And all of those are on there. The seitan, the soy, edamame, beans, nuts, everything, you know? So it's, there are ones that are a bit more protein dense, but again, when we think about what we need and how much protein we really need, you don't really even need to, focus on those, because I I think it'd be really unlikely that you wouldn't get the protein that you need just by eating a diverse plant-based or plant-forward diet, as long as you're not bodybuilding or you don't have other kind of, you know, muscle-building targets, right? Right. In that case, you would probably be working with the nutritionist um, who would be able to help you focus and can, can change your diet so that you would be able to achieve those physical goals. But again, in terms of just eating protein for a healthy diet and in terms of just eating for a healthy lifestyle, you don't even need to think about it.
0: Right. And that's kind of, I think when, I mean, I say this a lot over and over again, every time I'm talking about something, I'm talking about the average person. We're not talking about someone with specific either bodybuilding goals or medical needs. And I mean, there are people that, you know, we're all different. We all have, you know, different things going on and, you know, there could be, I mean, I know I have a friend who, has to actually limit her carbon take because of her. um, She has, I forget what it is that she has going on. And she has to watch her carbon take because her body does not deal with them very well. So we're all very different, but in general, the average person, you're just eating healthy, whole foods, diversity, you know, have your fun. I mean, that's, I'm always talking about my balance between salad and fries because life is all about, you (laughs) know, I mean, and it's, yeah, and,
1: absolutely. I mean, you know, this is, as we said, it's a way of living. It's the lifestyle and food is a pleasure and yes. your palate will evolve and you will over time crave some healthier foods, but like you'll also crave French fries, you know, and that's okay too. Everything right. is, in, in, in moderation, if you know, you want to have a, a treat that, you know, may not be that good for your body, but in general, you're eating well it's probably going to be okay, you know, because food is a joy and you don't want to suck all the joy out of eating as well.
0: Right. And you shouldn't fear, you know, being able to do that because our bodies are really smart, you know, they don't. And that's like what you said, once you've kind of gotten into a good place, as far as your overall health and wellness, you know, we go on, we're like, we're actually going to Hawaii for two weeks and um leaving next Saturday. And I know when we go with our friends to their home in Hawaii, it is, you know, we eat a lot of amazing, they have wonderful produce there, but we also like our cocktails and we also have poolside fries and we also um, do things like that. And so when no. I come back, um, I know that my body, every time we go, my, when I come back, my body craves like the, the, all the produce and all the things because it needs to just kind of flush out the system.
1: Yeah. And it's great that you're listening to your body and eating what your body needs in response to that. I think so many times people will indulge and then they'll punish themselves. Right. And that's the thing that I think can lead to unhealthy eating habits is, oh no, I indulged in this, these fries, or I indulged in this you know dessert. And now tomorrow I have to make up for that by restricting this or that or the other. And I think that that can become really unpleasant. And I, if you're in general eating well, as you said, and you're indulging here and there because you're living a wonderful Hawaiian life then great. Yes. And that's,
0: yeah, it's all about, it's in general, you know, it's, it's big picture and people, I think, focus when it comes to the obsession of low fat, high protein, no carb, whatever, I think they focus on the small here and now versus the big picture of what, you know, how we're living, what we're eating in general. And um, yeah, but this has been so, this has been great. And I, I actually did learn a few things today and I love it. I love learning. Yes.
1: I've enjoyed really, delighted as well. Thank you so much.
0: But I just, yeah, thank you so much for taking your time to be, um, to be, Here and part of this, and I'm going to check out your little graphic on IG. I will link it in the show notes so people can um, head over there and check it out as well.
1: Oh, great! Yeah, no, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on.
0: And all of you listening, thank you so much for being here and listening to my podcast. Um, I love doing this, I love bringing on amazing guests. And if you love this podcast, please rate and review it because the more rates and reviews I get, the more my podcast will get up there. Um, and get amazing guests like Dr. Sohi on today. So I can share great information with you all um, quality information. And that's my goal is always to make sure everything I share is real quality and helpful for all of you. So thanks everyone for listening.